Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of August 6, 2020, including Halo Infinite will run at a smooth, PC-approved frame rate, Project X Cloud is actually coming out of preview and into Game Pass Ultimate, Marvel's Avengers is getting exclusive PlayStation content because screw Xbox, and more. So I've had a couple of people bring to my attention that sometimes they'll post a comment on YouTube and then YouTube will just randomly delete that comment. Just so that you're aware, I'm not deleting any comments. This is a YouTube thing completely. I wouldn't ever delete comments, no matter how unsavory what you might say would be. Um, I just, like, in fact, like, you're more, please feel more than welcome to post very offensive comments. Um, I'm, I'm open to literally everything. You, you cannot... You cannot say anything that isn't welcome on this show. I don't care who it offends. Uh, but all joking aside, I am sorry if this has happened to any of you. I, I I don't know if like when it happens. I only know when someone brings it to my attention that they notice their comment isn't there on the episode. Uh, I suppose this is something I could look into honestly, but I'm I'm, I'm probably not going to. So don't expect that. Uh, I just want to make this known. So if you post something on YouTube and the YouTube algorithm for whatever reason decides that. You're, uh, you're being a little bit too edgy posting about burritos versus tacos or some shit like that, and they just decide to delete your comment without without any warning. Uh, just know I'm not the one deleting it. It's YouTube. I, I do not censor content. Uh, I will not censor content. You can say anything you want on this podcast. You can even tell me that you secretly are a Sony executive listening to this to understand the mindset of your worst enemies and that you're utilizing my my opinions and my loyalty to the brand as a way to exploit us and, and to, to get us to turn over to the dark side. I don't care who you are. You're you're welcome to post your shit here. With that said, let's let's use that as a jumping off point to get into our first opening topic. Or I like to think of this as like the this is the chill topic. This is like this is like when uh, you go over to a friend's place, they come over to your place, and you know maybe maybe you have plans, maybe you're going somewhere, or you you, you have a thing you're gonna do, but you're just kind of doing that warm up thing first. You know, you get a you, you kind of hang out, you talk, you catch up, you drink a couple of cold ones, and by cold ones I mean Mountain Dew Code Red, and you kind of just like get the whole vibe going before you really dig into the meat of that, whether that's uh, whether that's going out for a night on the town, and by a night of the town I mean. I mean, shopping at GameStop for some used controllers and then going back to your place to order Papa John's and play Sonic and the Black Knight on multiplayer. Anyway, I'd, I'd just like to take this this, this segment sl- nice and slow and, and have it be a, f- a little fun segment where we can just kind of free our brains. Like, if there's if there's any kind of moderate activity going on in your brain, any not even not even high-level thought, just like just like some base-level thought, I want to take... I want to take that part of your brain that's working actively and and take it down a few pegs to a to a level that I'm at, so that maybe we can all kind of go into the news with the same mindset. You see, the comment section really is just kind of a prepper to get you all down to my stupid low IQ level of of discourse, and that's and that's the whole that's the whole point of this comment section. So, without further ado, let's get into our comments. Shoutouts. Remember that if you ever want to write into the show, you can do so by going over to YouTube.com and searching. Uh, second best gaming that is where you'll find my channel and that is where i upload xbox on every week 
and where many of you have decided it's kind of just the place for commenting. Remember, if there's any comment moderation going aside from YouTube, just arbitrarily deleting things, Sarugi is our resident comments moderator. So if you have any issues, comments, concerns, problems with me, problems with something I said on the show, don't take it up with me. Take it up with Sarugi. That's all his problem. Our first comment this week comes from Lethal Migraine, who says, You know it's a huge game? PUBG. They've now sold over 70 million copies. That puts it at the top five of all time. That was in that was in relation to something, and, and when I put that that comment in the show notes, I, I remembered what it was in response to, but now I don't. Now it just looks like you're really just kind of off topic here, Lethal Migraine, like you're saying a whole bunch of nothing. So... Our next comment comes from Mr. Sarugi, who says, I'm 33, doing 2 a.m. starts every day at a meaningless job, and I feel the same way as you. Let me give you a little piece of advice. It doesn't get any better, so suck an egg. I definitely feel better about it. You know, you know, Sarugi, just knowing that you're miserable makes me feel a little better about my own misery. It's I don't need I, people like act like there's this this whole like innate obligation upon every individual this this you know to to find what it is that. Uh, that they love and what it is that makes them happy and to go and pursue that. And I'm not one of those people. I think that's kind of an overrated take on life. I don't think the obligation should be for me to find what brings me joy and what brings me happiness and fulfillment and to go pursue that dream. Because as we all know, you know, to make money doing what you love is, is almost impossible. Very few people get to do it. So I would rather spend my lifetime, dedicate my lifetime to making sure everyone around me and my in my vicinity is also equal, equally as miserable as I am so that I don't feel the pressure to do more. I can just kind of feel complacent with where I'm at. So my objective here isn't to say, you know, find what it is you love and and take it as far as you can go. My objective here is to say, wherever you are, if you're unhappy, just please do yourself a favor and settle. And then I'll feel a little bit better about where I'm at in my life. So I appreciate that, that honest insight, Surugi. Our next comment comes from new fan favorite commenter Tanali Maya, who says, public retractions are always so messy. However, this episode truly shined a light on how, on what an Xbox universe headed by lethal migraine would look like. And it is bleak, intolerant, and soul-crushing. So, I take back my swap-out Phil Spencer for Lethal Migraine initiative. I will stop circulating petitions immediately. I have to hear poor Jesse go over Lethal Migraine's game-by-game breakdown. uh, And that was akin to watching a little boy ask a bigoted uncle about his perspective on the melting pot that is America. Never meet your heroes, kids. Lethal Migraine would have killed so many of these next-gen projects. He doesn't like the idea of State of Decay 3, Halo, or Forza Horizon which underwhelmed him. He doesn't like the episodic nature of Tell Me Why. Lethal also... (laughs) Lethal allows his personal distaste for games like Skyrim to turn him off from what could be groundbreaking, uh, a groundbreaking RPG like Avowed. He doesn't think much of Stalker 2. Migraine publicly vows not to ever play Warhammer. He can't see past 30 FPS to give the medium a chance. and cruelly and excessively tore apart the mere notion of the new Fable game. I guess if it were up to Lethal Migraine, Xbox Series X's launch lineup would be Crossfire X, I guess? Man, I have a migraine now. <laughs> Lethal Migraine, do, do us all a favor and and respond to Tenali. Make Please engage with this person. Please allow us to see what a world looks like where you two are uh, talking to one another because I, <laughs> these comments are so great. Also... 
again, if you lethal migraine, if you're starting to feel personally attacked by these comments, um, please do reach out to Sarugi, who will then who will then decide what happens from here. If maybe maybe what we need to do here, since Tanali ha- takes such umbrage with you and in, in your takes, maybe what needs to happen is the two of you need to dish it out. Uh, maybe there could be like a like a, a Halo tournament to see you know. Who the the real Halo, the, the real Xbox gamer here is, and the loser has to go find a new podcast to listen to. Uh, although I guess in the end that makes me the loser because I lose a listener. But I, I'm willing to lose a listener if we have to if, if that's what it takes to find out who the true hero is. You know, is Lethal Migraine the bad guy? Honestly, just the the very notion of Lethal Migraine being this heretic that Tanali paints you to be uh, has me wondering if we should do a Halo Five uh, Hunt the Truth esque podcast dedicated solely to this this one narrative and and i'm actually just getting goosebumps thinking about how great that would be so please please uh lethal migraine comment back and 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 let us know how you feel about these accusations that tenali's throwing out there and speaking of lethal migraine you commented in and said jesse you're definitely right on the economy going to shit today the weekly numbers came out and it was not good initial unemployment claims jumped to 1.43 million and it was announced that the second quarter gdp shrunk by 33 percent now the only reason you know i don't like to get political but the only reason that i put that comment on the show notes is because you start the comment by saying, Jesse, you're definitely right. And that's really, I mean, that's really why I wanted to include that comment in there. So thank you for saying that, Lethal Migraine. And our next comment here comes from uh, Mr. GZ, who says, Thanks for the mention. Uh, in the last podcast, we're still loving the show here in the UK. Uh, here's two questions for the next podcast. Uh, one, what's your favorite type of popcorn? Sweet, salted, or toffee? Uh, besides, And then two, besides Halo, what game series are you most looking forward to play on the Series X? Let's let's save the important one for last, because I think that's really where we can divulge some important information so we'll save the popcorn question for a second but to attack your second question first you say aside from halo what are you most looking forward to playing on the series x this is a tough question because i mean maybe this is going to lend a lot of credence to dead captain james's stance about how you know for the first time he's not going to be buying the new xbox because he can just play the new stuff on his pc and that they're really not giving him too much of a reason to have to go and buy this new console because Honestly, besides Halo, I don't have like a a massive second game I can't wait to play. There are a handful of games I'm looking forward to play this 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 fall, uh, like Yakuza Like a Dragon. I'm pretty interested in playing that. I'm pretty interested in the Destiny 2 expansion, obviously, which comes out in November, which will be right around the launch time of the console. I'm pretty interested in Cyberpunk, which of course we know while it's a smart delivery game, it won't be it won't the Xbox Series X version won't be there at launch or that was what we last heard, so probably won't even be able to play on series x for a little while um so honestly i don't have you know there isn't like a aside from halo this is the game i'm just shitting my pants to play and i mean maybe again maybe that just means the xbox series x is a failure of a console um but to me it's like i don't know i think it to me it just shows the success of what the xbox series x is supposed to be which is that it's not that there's any particular like next gen game i'm just dying to play it's just that you know we have new xbox games coming out this fall and Regardless of where you're playing them, I'm excited. To, I'm excited for them. So it's not necessarily like a Xbox Series X game, quote unquote, because it's obviously something that many people will just enjoy on other platforms. But probably, probably Yakuza, just because. The, I mean, the other the other part of this problem being that we just don't know a lot of release dates for so many of these games. So some of these games say they're coming out this year, and then they still don't have release dates. So yeah, I mean, I guess tentatively put me down for uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon, but that's. Uh, I feel like the second I. I I'm done recording this podcast. I'll be like, oh, wait, I forgot about 
this game, insert name of game, I'm more anticip- I'm more highly anticipating, so I don't I don't know. Really, honestly, all I need is Halo. You could just give me Halo Infinite and then not release a new game for two years, and I'd be pretty okay with that because I'm just I'm just that excited about Halo. Honestly, and if I had to ask, and if I had to answer this question the worst way possible, probably Spider-Man Miles Morales or Ratchet and Clank, or that new Ratchet and Clank game, because both of those I'm actually really excited about, and those are of course PS5 games. So I don't know, but yeah, just I, who cares? Halo, is Halo Infinite not enough for you? GZ, is that is that what we're discovering here? Is that Halo Infinite is just simply not enough? You have to have more. Disgusting. I'm just simply disgusted with you. But as for your your other more important, more pressing comment here or question, where you ask, what is my favorite type of type of popcorn? Now, this is one I haven't thought about too much. Popcorn. I'm not a huge popcorn fan. I do enjoy a, a nice movie theater popcorn. I mean, but the catch is, I don't really order food. Almost ever when I go to a movie theater, usually like I'll get a water and that's about it because I really don't like eating and drinking when I'm at a movie theater. I just I don't know. To me, just like I know it's like a natural pairing. It's like, oh, we're going to relax in these seats and stare at the screen for two and a half hours and watch a movie. It's a fun, relaxing, enjoyable thing. But to me, just for whatever reason, I feel like it just feels so stupid to be watching a movie and like eating food out in public. I'm like, you just look stupid. I'm like, people are just over here. It's not, it's not like people in the audience are looking around at the other people in the theater. You're paying attention to the screen, but for whatever reason, I just, I've just never been like a big, I don't know. I just feel like a, a fucking idiot. If I buy food at a movie theater and eat it while I watch the screen. So I don't know, maybe that's just cause growing up, my parents didn't ever really buy concessions at the theater. And so I just, you know, grew up accustomed to not really eating food at the theater. But I, I feel like that's where you, you know, that's where most people grow to have an affinity with popcorn, right? Is that movie theaters. So that wasn't a thing I did too much. Although I will say on the rare occasions where we did have popcorn, my my mom would do this thing where she'd buy a bag of peanut M&Ms and then just sprinkle them all over the bag of popcorn. And so you just like grab popcorn and get like a surprise peanut M&M here or there. So I will say that is a, that's almost my favorite way to have it. I think peanut M&Ms are disgusting. So, well, they're not disgusting, but they're, I'd, I'd vastly prefer just a, a regular plain M&M. So I, I enjoy the M&M popcorn. Although again, it's just something I have like loose experiences with from childhood, but I don't know. I'm just not a crazy popcorn fan. Now I will say in more recent history, I, there is another popcorn that I've kind of grown to love. I, I don't know if I would say it's my favorite, but you know, going back to the Disney theme parks, that I always gotta, I always gotta bring up the theme parks somehow in this show. But at, at the Disney theme parks, they do sell their own their own snacks. You can buy snacks at the theme park. There is this one. They they, they have this Disney brand of popcorns called Main Street Popcorn, and they have a, a variety, a multitude of flavors. Actually, Disney parks sell a shit ton of different popcorn flavors. But the one I like is this uh, prepackaged caramel popcorn with with milk chocolate and sea salt all over it. So it's just like this. You get that savory sweet combination, but sea salt, so it's just really nice and. It's just uh, it's it's like fancy salt and 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 you got and you got the caramel corn and I enjoy that quite a bit. I guess I guess I would say that's my favorite popcorn, either that or the M M&M and M popcorn. But I don't know. I just popcorn's a thing I haven't thought too much about. That's why I had to kind of stall for time and tell you about my my opinions on popcorn in movie theaters. So, uh, but yeah, I, I appreciate the question. I think popcorn is a food that that warrants its own discussion and i'm glad we're having that conversation here on the show thanks to your thanks to your inquiry so i appreciate you bringing it up uh, what what is what is your personal favorite popcorn in 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 that extends to you the audience what is what is the ideal way to consume 
popped corn. Do you just prefer the hard kernels of corn that are dried up and that aren't popped, or do you like to pop them? Uh, do you pop them yourself, or do you have the assistance of a stovetop or a microwave, or, or do you have a popcorn maker? Or are you are you bougie? Do you have do you own a popcorn maker? And what kind of toppings do you put on your micro on, on your popcorn? Do you do you salt it? Do you butter it? Dare I say, are you a are you a, a heathen who likes to add nacho toppings? Do you put cheese and and jalapenos and tomatoes and shit like that on your popcorn? I don't I don't know. I'm interested to to hear more from you guys. So thanks for writing in with that really thought provoking comment and question. Our right, our next one here, and, and we're almost done. We're we got we're almost done with the food talk. We like you know me. We just we just got to indulge. So going circling back around to the theme parks and the food. Lethal migraine asks: Is Somalia or Kenya rep- represented at the Disney food thing? If so, what food do they have? Okay, so let's break this down. You say the Disney food thing. This is in response to my thing about. When I said last week what I've been eating, I said I went to Epcot's Food and Wine Festival and tried a variety of flavors from around the world. Now, Lethal Migraine, I was very specific that it was Disney's Epcot Food and Wine Festival. It was not called the Disney food thing. So get it right or don't ask the goddamn question. But now you're saying, is Somalian or Kenyan food represented at the Disney food thing, which we now know to be the Epcot Food and Wine Festival? And the the answer is yes slash no. So let me explain this. Epcot, for those that don't know, and and shame on you if you don't, Epcot is a theme park. It's the greatest theme park of all time, located here at the Walt Disney World Resort in Florida. And it is a theme park that's comprised of two main, two core themes. The first half of the park is dedicated to, like, the enterprise and the invention and the inspiration and the technology uh, of, of, of mankind, the achievement of mankind. So it's all themed to, like... Uh, various ideas of like space travel, technology, imagination, land, sea, uh, things like this, just transportation, various communication, just various things that have kind of brought man from like our our humble beginnings up to the way we live in the modern world. The other half of the park is called the World Showcase. It is a celebration of various nations of the world where you can travel from pavilion to pavilion, which are themed to different countries, and you can indulge in different flavors from around the world and experience different attractions, museum exhibits, rides, and things that are representative of these various countries. Now, at the World Showcase, the nations that are represented, there are 11 nations, 11 pavilions, and they are as follows... Mexico, Norway, China, and then there's this random like little just intermediate section called called Outposts, which is like just vaguely quote unquote African themed. And then Germany, then Italy, United States, which is there at the center of it all, which is pretty fitting because Disney's a very American company. Walt Disney was a very proud American. And then after the U.S., after after America or the United States, you get Japan, which is possibly the best one there. After Japan, you've got Morocco, which is just a beautiful uh, pavilion. And then you've got France. Then you've got the UK. And then you've got Canada. So these are the 11 nations represented. And on any given day, you can go to the park and you can eat this food. And I promise this is an Xbox podcast and we'll get back to it. Just shut your damn mouth. But during the Food and Wine Festival, they set up an additional shit ton of booths all around these nations and all around this part of the park where you where the booths are themed to different nations and different flavors from those nations. So your question is, are, are Somalia or Kenya represented at these food booths? Yes and no. So this year, the, and the booths change a lot. Most of the booths are, return every year with new menus, but every year there's also a couple new booths. And this year, there is a vaguely themed Africa booth, uh, appropriately located in the vaguely themed uh, outpost or Africa section of the World Showcase. Now it's not it's not considered a, a, an actual country. It's just kind of a 
intermediate, like just like a holding space, but I, I don't know. But so they have this Africa booth and let me read to you what's on the menu. There's only a couple dishes at every booth. So in the Africa or at the African pavilion or uh, or food booth this year for food, the food and wine festival, they are serving spicy Kenyan vegan corn and white beans with pigeon peas, quinoa and ancient grain medley with kachumbari slaw, which is a plant based slaw. Okay. The other dish they're serving is a piri-piri, which is a skewered shrimp with citrus-scented uh, couscous. And I looked it up. Piri-piri is like a type of uh, seasoning, I, I, I suppose. And then they have a variety of different, like, uh, uh, South African, like, wines and, and beers and things like that. So to do a very long-winded, unnecessary roundabout way of answering your very simple and very straightforward question, yes and no. It looks like one of the dishes at the Africa booth is a, a, a spicy Kenyan corn and white beans and pigeon peas, whatever dish. So no, there's not a there's not a Kenyan booth. There's not a Somalian booth, which is unfortunate. I would like to see Disney branch out and do some more. I, I don't, I guess, quote unquote, exotic kind of flavors. And what and the reason why I say is because obviously it's a theme park. It's got to appeal to general taste buds. So they they play it safe by being like, oh yeah, we got Mexico, we got China, because people love takeout Chinese food and tacos and shit. You know, that's safe food. Uh, if, if you're going to do like a cultural representative kind of menu, but you know, it's hard to, it's hard to be like, Oh, we're going to have a booth dedicated to Kenya because you know, the majority of tourists that come to Florida to go to Walt Disney world probably, probably don't want to eat, you know, interesting food. That's very unlike anything they've ever had before. They probably just want to stick to what they're know, stick to what they know, and then still be told that they're trying new and interesting foods. So it's kind of a, a little bit of a give and take where there's interesting food at this, at this festival, but it's not always, you know, it's not always as out there as I'd like for it to be. To give you an idea, they've got, you know, the traditional 11, the, the basic 11 countries that I listed that are always there. But in addition to that, they've also got some booths like the islands of the Caribbean booth. They have a Brazil booth. They have Hawaii. They have a citrus blossom, which is like a Florida flavors booth because obviously Disney's here in Florida. So, you know, they, they do a variety of different booths and usually on any given year, they have a lot more, but due to COVID they've really scaled back the event this year. Uh, I know that usually there's an, there's like a, there's usually a Greece booth and India booth and things like that. So there's usually quite a bit, but to answer your question, yes, there's, there's vaguely some, some Kenyan food represented at this Disney food thing that you, you mentioned. Now, Sarugi comes in and says, I'm also curious about this and what the Australia selection is like. Okay, so Sarugi, again, to answer, there's no full-fledged Australia pavilion at Epcot, but they do have Australian representation during the Food and Wine Festival. So there is an Australia booth. Again, because COVID, they scaled down the event this year, and unfortunately, the Australian booth didn't make the cut this year. But usually there's an Australia booth. It's been there for like over 20 years now. So but I, so what I've done for you, Sarugi, to help answer your question, because I don't think any good question deserves to go unanswered, I, I went ahead and I looked up last year's menu, because obviously last year they were able to do the full event. There was no COVID last year. We were very happy last year. We thought that there was going to be a bright 2020 on the horizon where we would we, we would get an Xbox Series X and, and where we'd all be happy and we wouldn't have uh, hundreds of thousands of deaths on our hands because we can't wear masks. But But last year was a different year and they had an Australia booth. So let me tell you what you could have expected if you had been at Epcot last fall and went to the Australia booth during the festival. So the menu was as follows. They had a grilled sweet and spicy bushberry shrimp, which looks really good, according to the accompanying picture. They had roasted lamb chop, 
which was served with a sweet potato uh, puree, bushberry pea uh, salad, and pistachio pomegranate uh, gremolata, which is like some uh, fancy people shit. And then they had uh, pavlova, pavlova, pavlova. I looked this up out of curiosity. It looks delicious. It's like a, it's some kind of uh, meringue-based cake or whatever type dessert. I, lo- I looked at pictures of it on Bing. It looks very delicious. It looks like it's a pretty common dessert over there in the outback. Uh, it looks like they have a deconstructed version of it. Um, it is served with pastry. It's pastry cream with citrus, citrus berries and lemon myrtle meringue. It looks pretty good. And according to this review from this blog I'm reading, it tasted pretty good too. So that's what you could have expected last year. They also had some various beers and wine from the Outback. They had Cooper's Brewery Original Pale Ale. They had Hope Estate Wallambi Brooks uh, Similion, whatever the kind of wine that is. They had Franklin Tate Estates a Chardonnay. They had a Three Rings Shiraz. And then they had a vaguely named Wine Flight. So, so that was what was served at the Australia booth last year. I assume Australia will be back next year unless COVID kills us all and things are still dire and every business goes out and we all don't pay our rent and we die in the streets. Um, but if things turn around, I, I assume Australia will be back uh, will be back next year and and please feel free to consult your local travel agent and see if you want to book a flight to the to Florida now while we are hitting our peak COVID numbers and and you too can enjoy a nice trip to the Walt Disney World Resort and experience uh, flavors from around the world uh, so that have been neutered for the palates of uh, Midwestern Americans who fly down here for the annual vacations at Disney theme parks so I appreciate you being with me remember this is an Xbox podcast and at some point. We might even talk about Xbox, but I had to get that all out in the air. Lethal Migraine, you called the Disney Food and Wine Festival, which has been going on for well over 25 years now. You called it the Disney food thing, and that's just not right. So I had to had to go and correct you. And Sarugi, I had to answer, you know, I, I know you're a proud Australian, or you, you at least asked about Australian food, and I know you are Australian. So I felt an obligation to represent my favorite theme park and your country by uh, by telling you what what we have to offer here in, in an effort to please you and your great nation. So thank you so much for bearing through with that very important series of questions. Our next comment, speaking of Sarugi, speaking of our comment moderator, dare I say our Lord and Savior Sarugi, he says, Jesse, you're absolutely right about the value of Game Pass not being acknowledged properly. And this is in relation, of course, to the Xbox Games Showcase from the other week. For me, that's probably due to my tight ass not having paid for Xbox Live or Game Pass in about two years. Uh, Thanks to game sharing with my brother, another brilliant feature in the Xbox ecosystem. Uh, Thinking about it more since the show, the idea was to try and sell people more on the value of Game Pass than on the next console. An idea lost in the sea of Craig memes and Sony fanboys. So this is a really good point, too, because... I guess, you know, so yeah, I'm going to agree with you like 65% on this comment because it's like you say, because you say, thinking about it more since the show, the idea was to try and sell people more on the value of Game Pass than on the value of the next console. And so I think it's like almost in an indirect way. It's like that is what Microsoft was trying to do, right? It's it's almost like they, they sold us the idea of the show by saying, hey, we got a new console coming out and we have a showcase all about the games on that new console. But what we really got was a showcase with games that will be on that console, but the main idea being that it's all available on Game Pass. So it's like they it's not like Xbox is is not talking about Game Pass extensively. They are. But I it does almost feel like they marketed this show as an Xbox Series X show, but it was really more of a Game Pass show. And I think they should have just come out 
and been a little more clear, like, this is about both from the get-go, but I think as soon as you were watching the show, they made it very, very clear that this was just as much about Game Pass as it was about the Series X, and so I don't know. I don't know if maybe that's that has anything to do with it, but yeah, it definitely seems like, or maybe, maybe it's just the kind of discourse around the Xbox community that we were all really super hyper-focused on the Xbox Series X, but not so much the Game Pass aspect of this, which is you know, fair, we're all really excited about this new console coming out, and Game Pass, as great as it is, and as new as it is, and as, you know, ever-changing as it is, it is something we're kind of used to, you know, like, if, maybe to the, the general public, a Game Pass seems pretty new and unheard of, but for, you know, for us, Xbox, like, regulars are, are, are like, hard, hardcore Xbox gamers, if you will, uh, Game Pass is, I mean, again, it's still relatively new, but we're used to it now, right? It's been out for, almost two years and we've been using it pretty regularly for a while now so game pass isn't as flashy and sexy to many of us as the xbox series x is because one of them is a brand new console that we're super excited about and one of them is a really awesome service that most of us have been using for almost two years now so it's it's just one of those things and i i don't know i think if if xbox had like if this were a year where there wasn't a new console coming out this were just a regular year and in microsoft had come out and said this is our xbox game showcase it's all about the many new exciting games coming to the xbox ecosystem and they're all launching into game pass and that was how this was framed i think people would have been a lot more excited about it so you make a good point there but yeah whether whether this is partially on microsoft's whether microsoft's to blame or the audience is to blame or a combination of both i think the messaging somehow got away from itself where people focus solely on the series x and not enough about game pass and when you take the two things together and think of it that way and really focus on the game pass in particular it really was a stellar show but i i, I agree it's uh we, we got too distracted. Can you imagine how much it sucks? Like, just as an aside, can you imagine how much it sucks if you work at Xbox to any capacity? It doesn't matter if you are a game developer or you're Phil Spencer himself or you work in marketing or you're a QA tester or you're an art man and you do art or you are, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't know. My, my tiny brain doesn't think of too many professions because uh, it, do, it just doesn't. But no matter what your role is at Xbox, the past few months there have, I mean, certainly been an all hands on deck. We got to get this this showing of our new console and Game Pass and all this stuff just right. And people are working so fucking hard to get these gameplay demos together and to get this show together and to get the messaging just right and to try really delicately and, and accurately convey what all is happening in the world of Xbox to the masses. And then you push it out there. You know, you're 343 and you're like, here's our Halo game. It's out there. We hope you love it. We've put so much fucking hard work into it. We all haven't seen our families in years because we're trying so hard to make this game the best it can be. And you're, Xbox, and you're Phil Spencer and you're just like, oh my God, I haven't slept in five years because all I fucking do is try to make people like Xbox again and then try and get this brand back to the place it once was and then grow beyond that. And oh my God, you know, all these people at, at, at marketing and executive levels and on the the lowest levels or the lowest tiers of the company, just everyone from top to bottom is just like slaving away and making sure this show goes off without a hitch. And then a bunch of people just watch it and take a, take a still frame of a, of a brute from halo and then post it once on Reddit. And then it just blows up and circulates on the internet. And everyone's like, yeah, fuck all the people that worked hard in these games. Fuck all the people that worked hard on putting this show together. Fuck all the people at Xbox who are really trying to make this the best branding gaming for everyone. Let's just, 
really fucking harp on this meme and shit on Xbox and tell everyone they suck and tell 343 they suck and that the past five years of work on Halo Infinite has all been for nothing, that they, they're they fucking useless. And it's like, God damn it, dude. It just, like, honestly, just from someone, uh, just from the perspective of, like, acknowledging that shit isn't made out of thin air. Like, people have to make these presentations, make these video games, build this company, market these products. Like, it sucks to know that all this hard work basically just turned into a giant meme about a Halo enemy. Like, oh, God. It's just, it's so, it's so sad. It's so sad that all that hard work goes completely unrecognized, completely unnoticed, so we can just shit on 343 and this stupid Halo meme. And then the, and then I think what's worse is that, like, we live in a world where, like, if someone picks on you or harps on you, you have to own it. There's really no way to get around it. You just have to, you have to just fucking live with that shit so you, you see like those those stories on like GameSpot and ign where they're just like phil spencer approves of the new craig meme from halo says he's the new mascot of xbox it's like you know damn well phil spencer sees that shit and he's just like fuck you guys we we work so hard to deliver all this all these amazing products for you and all you can fucking do is make a stupid ass halo meme out of it and like and just like not acknowledge the hard work and the products we're putting out there for you guys it's like and he has no choice in 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 the kind of way the world and social media works nowadays, but to just be like, oh yeah, we love it. It's so great watching our community engage with uh, our content and find creative ways to to own something or whatever. It's just like you know, like in his head and like you know behind closed doors, he's just like ungrateful cuckolds. Like, but of course, you know, to the public, they just have to be like, oh yep, we we approve. Greg's Greg's a funny meme. Ha <laughs> ha. But I don't know. That just that just drives me nuts to no end. It's it's one thing to like have a quick laugh about something, but to just take all the steam out of all the hard work that went into this event and into all these games and this new console, and to just make it about a meme that picks on this this game that has so much going for it and that has just so much heart and soul and work gone into it. It's just to reduce that all down to one stupid meme that makes fun of it all. It's just. I don't know, it's, it's just so fucking insensitive, but then again, that is, uh, that is the internet for you, so fuck us all, let's just go buy, let's go buy Playstations instead, but Tsurugi f rounds out, he says with this last comment, not sure if this has been asked, but what are your thoughts on digital versus physical? Thinking about Halo Infinite uh, being on Game Pass got me realizing this might be the first Halo game I don't actually buy since I won't need to. Tsurugi, I faced this when Halo 5 came out. You know, I, I, I used to be a physical over digital guy back in the early days of physical or of digital downloads, but it was right when the Xbox One came out, I bought I bought the bundle that came with Titanfall and it was a digital copy. And I was like, oh shit, I'd rather have a physical copy. But then the second I realized how convenient it was to just have the game loaded onto my console and never needing to rely on a disc, I was like, oh, well, you know what? There's no going back from this. And so I tried really hard at the beginning of the generation to be like, ah, I'm not going to buy physical games as enticing as it might be to collect the physical object. I'm just going to download everything for the convenience. And I'm so glad I did because, like, looking at where I am now with gaming compared to where I was, you know, back in, like, the 360 days, it's like I would – I'd rather burn all my Xboxes and my TV and go on eBay and buy a Nokia N-Gage and, and – and, relegate myself to gaming on that thing for the rest of my life and never buy a physical game again because once you go digital it's just the convenience is so great that it's like I don't know I don't I, I don't ever need to go back to physical not only do I not need all that clutter and that physical shit taking up space in my tiny apartment but like it's just I don't know the, the pros outweigh the cons in so much that it's just like uh what do I really need a case for Halo Infinite laying around on my shelf somewhere to prove that I'm a big Halo fan? Like I can just download the shit from Game Pass and never have to think about a physical object again. It's just playing Halo is as simple as turning on the Xbox and 
clicking on the halo icon and I, I don't know i'm i'm 100 physical over digital i understand the whole the whole need to preserve it for you know parts of the world where internet isn't as good as it is in other parts so i i get that need for physical and i understand the whole like relationship between retailers where you know companies need to keep physical stuff in stock to some extent because you can't just bite the hand that feeds you and be like hey walmart best buy gamestop target fuck all of y'all we're not doing physical anymore but please keep our consoles in stock it's like it's this really delicate dance of like you know xbox and playstation all these guys they they wish they could just do everything digital there's there's more of a profit margin um there's you know it's it's an easier way to get to get the game directly to consumers but i i i understand that there is a place for physical media it's just uh it's not a thing for me i i will happily take digital over physical 100% of the time. I encourage you to embrace digital media, but then again, I can't really blame you if you feel that need or that itch to kind of own the physical thing and to collect it. I, I understand what the, what it feels like to need to collect and to be to be that guy. So I get it. And then our, our wrap-up comments here, we've got my brother who says, there's absolutely no chance that WoW is coming to console. From a controller standpoint, you can't play that game with a controller. When you have 50 actions hotkeyed, you cannot put that on a gamepad. You will see Halo Wars 3 first. Well, guess what, Josiah? You can use a keyboard on an Xbox, you dumb piece of shit. But uh, yeah, I mean, you're probably right. I doubt why I was coming to Xbox, but I wanted to be hopeful and I wanted to spread misinformation. So that's why I put that story in the notes last week. And then Lethal Migraine says, I'm curious about that Ratchet and Clank demo. Uh, how hard is it to really fall in a straight line? I'm not sure uh, how much of any, if any of that demo was actual gameplay. And Lethal Migraine's, of course, re referring to the new Ratchet and Clank game on PS5, where basically at like the snap of a finger, you know, just, just by hitting the button, they're able to like teleport from one world to another. I mean, yeah, I guess we don't know if that was actual gameplay, but if the game doesn't if the game doesn't run that way, I'll you know I'll eat my shorts. Like I mean, it's there's that they're not mismarketing that game. It's almost ready to come out. I I fully believe that is just clever use of of the power of next generation hardware. And I don't know Insomniac's one of those developers. I don't think they're pulling the fast one on us. I think that's what that game's all about. I think that's the cool twist on that iteration of that game. And I expect it to work as we saw in the trailer, but I don't know. I guess I could be wrong. I don't know. I fully believe that demo. I don't. I don't think there's any. Um, I don't think there's any kind of foul play here. My mother comments in and says, "I like hyperspace." And then Lethal Migraine responds to my mother and says, "It's an interesting take on a hero shooter battle royale. I like it too." Lethal Migraine. I don't think uh, I need to be honest with you. I don't think my mom's gonna play. Not that you're really suggesting that she plays it, but my mom's never going to play Hyperspace. I'm just telling you. Or Hyperscape, is, which is what Hyperspace is a reference to. So, And speaking of Lethal Migraine, we'll just round out with a final little word from him where he says, If Halo is turning into a games-as-a-service, will 343 get to make something else? Certainly don't need 700 people or whatever it is to, just to make DLC. Well, I mean, first of all, I think they will need the majority of the studio, all hands on deck on Halo, to, to maintain and continue to flesh out that universe. It's not going to be just little tiny bits of DLC. They're going to be making, like, big chunks of story content and new campaigns to be adding in to the platform. But, yeah, I think I think you're right. Uh, what, what they're more than likely going to do is spin off a B team that's going to... I mean, they already have multiple teams. They have teams working on Master Chief Collection and, and other mixed media and... And then, you know, the, the people making the core games. But I'm sure they have another team within 343 whose objective it will be to kind of go on to make a different game or a spinoff game. Um, my guess is that it's it's in the Halo universe, though. Because re remember, 343, it's not like 343 and the Coalition aren't like 
perfect analogs to like Sony Studios where like Naughty Dog can make The Last of Us and then make Uncharted and then make something else, you know. They can jump from franchise to franchise. 343 isn't a studio built to make Xbox first party games, whatever they may be. It's a studio built to make Halo. And it's think of it less like just a first party owned video game studio and think of it more like Lucasfilm, you know, or something like that where it's like 343 is the company that exists to organize and continue to evolve and maintain, you know, just work on the Halo universe. So whatever they work on, it's going to be Halo related. But yeah, I do think there's probably a B team there who's getting to work on some other projects, which hopefully, you know, some of you are looking for a Halo Wars 3. I hope it's another like big AAA looking game, but it's set in the Halo universe. I'd love to see like a Halo horror game or a Halo stealth game where you play as like, I don't know, play as an ODST, play as a play as a civilian in play as play as a commander of the UNSC. I don't I don't know, but I, it would be really cool to see more Halo games where you play as different characters akin to like Halo ODST, but also see them kind of deviate and play around with different genres and do different things and tell different stories within that universe. But I, I definitely think that once the dust settles with infinite, the, we'll probably start to see that be the next thing. Uh, and then finally, lethal migraine says the answer to the, to call of duty is simple. They're making so much money off of Warzone that the game, the next game for 2020 doesn't matter half right, but we'll, we'll see in the news. That's not entirely the case, but I do appreciate commenting, shouting out, whatever you did. Remember for future, future weeks, go into the comment section on YouTube. Uh, let me know what you like about the comments. Remember, or about the show rather, remember positive things only. I only ever want positive information, positive news being spread. And, uh, for next time, don't be shy reply. Now we're going to get into what I've been playing, but before I can tell you about what I've been playing, let me tell you what I've been eating, this is one of those very uneventful weeks, so we won't linger on this for too long. Plus, we kind of already did this back when we were talking about Epcot for those 45 minutes, so we'll basically just skip this for this week because we've already kind of gone over it. But I did do even more Epcot food and wine. I went after work a few days ago, and I did a little more. I had, you know, I've tried a handful of the booths. I've, I've had some food from Canada. I've had some food from Mexico, China, uh, Germany. I tried the Brazil food booth. I tried... There's a indoor pavilion where they have a selection of like non-country specific food items, but just like very like various like kind of weird, wonky, unique food things. We're like like working with like frozen desserts and things like that. Frozen being like you know where they use like uh, what's I've, the term escapes me, but where you like in you know you do like that dry ice food shit and and then uh, there's like a mac and cheese booth that did like a seafood brothy mac and cheese and. We did some of that. We just uh, went to Japan. I got these uh, these things, this sushi thing. So I've been, I've been making my way around the world, eating some weird shit, eating some new stuff. But we won't, like I said, we won't linger on that. Now, as for what I've been playing this week, still running through the entire Master Chief collection with my brother. Uh, last week we finished the first two and got well into Halo Three. This week we finished up Halo Three. We did all of Halo ODST, and now we are. Uh, towards the latter half of halo 4 so we're really burning through these getting through them fast i find that you know kind of replaying games especially stuff like this is very easy to do when it's in a more social setting like just casually running through on multiplayer listen i love i love the halo games and hit me up any day i'm always willing to play some halo especially if we're running through the campaigns um but yeah that's what i've been playing in addition to that i've started playing psychonauts it was like very quickly on sale or no earlier this week I, I i just out of like on a whim was like oh i need to look at psychonauts do i have that download on my xbox one and then i searched on the store and it was just free 
It was just free to download. I'm like, is it always been free? It's not on Game Pass. It's just free. So I downloaded it, thought nothing of it. And then the next morning, I checked Twitter. And everyone's, like, blowing up on Xbox Twitter. Like, hey, Psychonauts is free right now. Download it, download it, download it. So I don't know if it's still free or if that was a glitch or if it's supposed to be free or if it's always been that way. But I guess check that out if you don't have Psychonauts already. Download it on your Xbox. It might be available on Xbox Live for free right now. Um, but I downloaded that and then I gave it a try because I was like, oh, you know, I've never played this game through to the end. I'd like to. I, I love the 3D platformer. It is my favorite genre. Uh, Double Fine's now an Xbox-owned studio. Uh, I'm interested in Psychonauts 2. I should really give this a try. And I, I gotta be honest, Psychonauts holds up way better than I thought it would. You know, a lot of those 3D platformer games, especially ones from like the early 2000s and stuff, or even more so, especially ones from like the late 90s, really don't hold up well. But I was so surprised to see that like Psychonauts, obviously it visually looks like an old PS2 early Xbox game. Um, but wow, it controls pretty much perfectly. Like if they were going to remake Psychonauts 1, obviously they'd have to redo the visuals and rework the audio. But like, I don't think you really have to fuck around with the gameplay at all. That game has aged really, really wonderfully in terms of just its camera controls, which was always a massive hard thing for, you know, 3D platformers back in the day. Um, it, it's just, it's jump mechanics are great. It's like perception when platforming is really easy to kind of gauge and, and just work with. And so I just, I don't know. I've, I'm really impressed with just... As someone who hasn't played, I only played Psychonauts a little bit as a kid, you know, as someone who has very little experience with this game and little memory of like what it feels like to play, I am extremely impressed with just how well the game has aged purely from a gameplay standpoint. And then also, of course, the game is just super funny. It's just such a well-written, just humorous, uh, fun romp of a 3D platform. Such a unique concept for a game too. It's a, I'm having a really good time with it. I actually can't wait to get more into it and just kind of sit down and play through the whole thing hopefully this weekend but yeah i mean psychonauts is a game one of my older brothers was really into it when it came out all the all those years back about 15 years ago and uh i remember always kind of being turned off by it because it has a very like tim burton-esque vibe to it and i really i, I don't know i've always had like a really like big hatred for that like creepy goth kid like aesthetic you know that like uh that nightmare before christmas aesthetic that's always kind of irked me it just it, it just rubs me the wrong way i think it's it looks annoying it looks stupid to me so that's one thing that always turned me off about psychonauts it kind of looked like if tim burton made a video game but once you start playing it it's it, you realize it's immediately not that it's way more humorous and just creative and fun and it almost actually you know speaking of epcot kind of vaguely reminds me of uh of an old epcot attraction that was all about kind of the inner workings of the brain. And uh, that's kind of what this game reminds me of a little bit, just because obviously it's like going into the mind, but also a little bit of the Matrix and all this other stuff. It's a it's a fun game, and I'm really got, glad I'm playing through it now. Uh, I wish I had played it sooner. And it's making me a little more excited about Psychonauts 2. So, GZ, maybe to answer your question from earlier, maybe Psychonauts 2 is one of the games I'm most looking forward to on Xbox Series X, although that won't be out until sometime next year. Um, and then with all that said, I guess we're done. We're done with chilling. We're done with uh, comments, questions, what I've been eating, things that aren't relevant to the world of Xbox. I think we've talked about it all. I think we've covered all of human history and then some, and now they're all that all that's left to do is talk about what's happening in the world of Xbox this week. So let's jump into the news. So I will point out, I know I don't want to 
classify this as like news news, but people keep talking about how earlier this week Xbox changed the Game Pass logo to remove the word Xbox. So now instead of just being called Xbox Game Pass, it's called Game Pass, but the logo still has the Xbox logo. So, I mean, it's still technically called Xbox Game Pass. They just stylize it by not putting the word Xbox in, but rather having the Xbox logo. I mean, this was this was like mind-numbingly dumb watching people melt down and freak out about this and be like, oh, Game Pass is going to come to PS4 and they're trying to remove the Xbox brand because they want to make it more ubiquitous. They want to they want to make it less tied specifically to the Xbox brand. So in order to get it in more places, they're going to remove the Xbox, Xbox moniker. I'm like, you got you guys got to calm down. This is just so brain dead. This is like when you when you think about like, Apple Watch, how it's stylized with like the Apple logo and then the word watch. It's like this is just how people stylize their their brands and shit in 2020. We 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 say we're so confident that this brand logo has so much cachet and so much brand recognition that we bet if we call something Xbox Game Pass, but instead of using the word Xbox, we just put the logo for the brand, people will still know it's called Xbox Game Pass because the Xbox brand has so much recognition, it's so iconic, that no one would look at that logo and think anything other than Xbox. No one would look at a logo of an Apple with a bite mark and think anything other than Apple. So, I, I just, this, I don't even want to get into this, but I, I know this is a thing a lot of people, I only bring it up to say I know a lot of people are speculating about it, a lot of people are assuming that this means more than what it actually means, I really think they just tried to clean up the the name and the logo a little bit. So, we won't dive we won't get into that any further, but I know that's a thing. So, there it is. It's been mentioned. Our first genuine news story uh, comes from 343. It's all about some Halo news. So, good news. Xbox Series X owners or future Xbox Series X owners, despite news that Halo Infinite will cap out at 60 FPS on campaign, 343 have confirmed that the game's multiplayer suite on the Xbox Series X will be able to take advantage of up to 120 frames per second. The announcement came from a tweet that reads, Halo is for everyone. We can confirm that Halo Infinite multiplayer will be free to play and will support 120 FPS on Xbox. More details will be shared later. Clearly, you can tell by the way I wrote that that I was more pumped about the 120 FPS and the bigger news that the game will be free to play, or the multiplayer at least. Um, but while we still haven't gotten a proper multiplayer reveal, we do know that in about a month or two, we will see more about the multiplayer with the game, of course, being out in November or, you know, they say holiday 2020, but we know that means November. So yeah, this is actually huge news. Uh, this is this is basically Xbox saying, well, I mean, this is a lot. So this is a lot of things. First of all, this is Xbox's way of saying, if Halo Infinite is going to be a platform, we need to make sure that from at least a multiplayer perspective, this game persists. And think about when you think about the games that persist the most from a multiplayer perspective, you know, with the exception of like GTA Online, these are all games that are like free to play, right? Because Fortnite is the biggest game in the world, right? It's it's this platform that just never fucking ends. It's a free to play game. And then like Rocket League, it's like it's been on every PlayStation Plus, Xbox Gold, Games of the Gold thing forever. Everyone's had access to it in one form of another. Or you think of like Rocket League or Minecraft where it's like, oh, they're just so cheap that everyone, you know, everyone can swing the few bucks it costs to get into that game. It's these games with the low barrier to entry. So Obviously, Halo Infinite already has a low barrier entry with it being available through Game Pass, but also by making the multiplayer free-to-play, you're just basically saying, hey, everyone with a PC and everyone with an Xbox, fucking play Halo online, play the multiplayer. And I think this kind of makes perfect sense because honestly, especially now that Halo Infinite is going to be an open-world 
you know, service kind of game or platform rather. I think that in and of itself is enough to warrant a complete 60 or $70 standalone package or a complete game all on its own. You know, you can spin off the multiplayer component and be like, hey, that's free to play because, I mean, you're already getting enough value out of the core game as it is. And now you're just giving more people a reason to get in. I, I don't know. To me, this just makes so much sense. It really plays into the whole, like, trying to get as many people back on board with Halo, back on board with Xbox, and trying to, most importantly, give Xbox a game that that's really in that kind of esports zeitgeist that they're, they're just, they've so hard been trying to get into. You know, Halo 5's multiplayer was all designed around esports. You know, that was the thing in mind the whole time. And they, ha- they struggled so hard to really make it relevant and even though halo 5 you know despite people constantly shitting on it even though halo 5 still sold very well uh, and still has a pretty good player base online uh, let's not pretend like it's the esports game it's not you don't go on twitch and see a billion people streaming halo 5 constantly because it's just not that game so this is just another step in the effort to say hey we need to try everything we can in our power to make halo a big competitive game and by lowering that barrier to entry to just own a fucking computing device, it really helps things out. So basically, whether you're on PC or Xbox, which is just such a massive install base, um, you can basically play Halo Infinite multiplayer for free. And that, I don't know, that that definitely is a good upper hand in their, in their effort to try and get Halo. You know, it's not just about selling a lot of copies and helping sell the Xbox Series X and bringing that next generation of Xbox to the forefront of the games industry, but it's also about keeping the Halo brand alive and making it something that is persistent and that sticks with people for years to come, and it, it takes more than just, you know, another... I think Halo Inf- Halo 3 is the perfect example of this, right? Because when Halo 2 came out, it was, like, the coolest online multiplayer game for the longest time. Basically, when Halo 2 came out, it was the coolest online multiplayer game to play until Halo 3 came out basically. And then when Halo 3 came out, even though it was a phenomenal game that did incredibly well, sold incredibly well, had a great install base, crazy good player base online, you know, the game kind of fizzled out a little sooner because two months after Halo 3 came out, Call of Duty Modern Warfare came out, Call of Duty 4, the Call of Duty game that began the supreme reign of the Call of Duty franchise and that turned Activision from like we're one of the most successful game publishers to like, we are God and you will pray to us every night for fear of death. You know, like this is, this is the game that, that really changed the multiplayer landscape of gaming forever. And ever since then, I think you could argue that Halo hasn't had a multiplayer game that's come in and like had that staying power the way that Halo two did. And, and nowadays we know for a fact that games can have that persistent, like, it doesn't matter if this game's old or it doesn't matter if this other really awesome game comes out and also gets a huge chunk of the spotlight. We know that there are games that can come out and have a consistent player base and have consistent conversations and, and attention surrounding it for years and years and years to come because we've seen Fortnite do that. We've seen PUBG do that. We've seen these games do that shit. And I think Microsoft desperately wants Halo to be one of those games. If anything, another thing I read into with this story is that Halo Infinite is going to have that rumored Battle Royale mode because I think that's another big important part to this. It's Yeah, it's the iconic Halo multiplayer that we all lo- know and love, the, the arena multiplayer, but it's also a Battle Royale mode. And that's that's just what I'm, you know, that's what I'm digging into this and, and deducting from it. I could be dead wrong, but 
that's what I assume this means. And the other, the other big thing, the thing I'm most excited about, just for selfish reasons, is the 120 FPS. I just, I actually just bought, I actually just bought a 4K TV. Finally, even though I still don't, you know, I still have an OG Day One Xbox One. Uh, I finally got a 4K TV. I've been, I have a little fund. I've been saving slowly for a while now to to save up for the Xbox Series X and. With that, I was like, okay, I need to finally upgrade to 4K TV. I need to get the Xbox Series X, all that shit. And so I, I found the I found the right deal. I pulled the trigger. I got the 4K TV. So it was very important to me that I got one with 120 hertz refresh rate, because more important than actual 4K gaming to me is that high refresh rate. I'm I'm very intrigued by the smooth 120 FPS thing. So the fact that I can play Halo multiplayer with 120 FPS is so exciting to me. I don't give a shit if it's 1080p. I don't give a shit if it's 720p, whatever. I just want that smooth, buttery 120 FPS. So I'm really, really excited to see that's the case. And I, and I love that solution that they're like, well, you know, the campaign's a big open world game. We can't really make that 120 FPS, but the multiplayer is going to be like a small arena thing. So why can't we do 120 FPS on that? And I love that they pushed for that and made it happen. And I cannot wait to experience that. That's, that is the... It, just in terms of like visual feel or whatever, that's the quote unquote next gen experience I'm waiting for is to be able to sit on my couch and play an Xbox game with 120 FPS, especially a Halo game. So I don't know. This is all really exciting news to me. I, I don't know that this was that big of a news story, but to me, I was just super pumped about it. Yeah, who am I kidding? This is actually a very big news story. It's it's Halo's. Halo's multiplayer is going to be free to play. That's actually fucking huge. But let me know what you think about that one. I think that to me that was the most exciting story of the week. Um, but our next one here is that exclusive DLC is a it's a controversial topic that has really affected some big games on the Xbox One this generation. With massively popular titles like Destiny not only getting the marketing spotlight with Sony's PS4, but also getting exclusive and timed DLC, Destiny largely became associated with the PlayStation brand. Well, it appears that we have another situation like that on our hands, as Sony has confirmed that the upcoming game Marvel's Avengers will feature Spider-Man, possibly the most beloved superhero of all time, and he will be console exclusive as a DLC character for the PlayStation version of the game, set to be released at some point in 2021 for no additional cost. Of course, Spider-Man being a PlayStation exclusive shouldn't come as too much of a surprise, as Sony Pictures has retained the Spider-Man film rights for roughly 20 years now, and the superhero has seen a lot of favoritism with Sony's brand, like the recently released 2018 Spider-Man PS4 game. Fuck you, Xbox. Enjoy the game with arguably... Enjoy the game without arguably the best character in it, but this is a massive blow. So this news made me go from like, you know, Marvel's Avengers, uh, Marvel's Avengers is a game that like I should be excited about and I want to be excited about, but I'm just not. And I was really hoping that, you know, people's reactions from the beta that's about to happen or that, you know, early reviews or just kind of the hype of the game coming out next month would would draw me in and that I'd want to give it a try and then I download it and then I would fall in love with it. I was really hoping that this would happen. But honestly, this news pissed me off so much because I'm just like, okay, I have a PS4, but I actually have less desire now to play it than ever before. I'm super hyped about Xbox, not just as an Xbox fanboy, but as, you know, someone who's eagerly anticipating the Xbox Series X. And now the only superhero I give a shit about, Spider-Man, is going to be in this game, just not for Xbox players. So I'm not like mad at Sony. This isn't, I, I saw a lot of people who were trying to make this like a fuck you Sony thing. I'm not mad at Sony. I understand they're leveraging their partnership with Marvel and their rights to the Spider-Man IP and this kind of history to to make this game more enticing on the PS4. 
honestly, I think what makes me even more upset about this than me being a Spider-Man fan and being like, oh, fuck, I can't play Spider-Man on my favorite console. What makes me more upset about this is that Xbox didn't have access to this. I'm sure Xbox knew about this for a long time, but because, I mean, this game's coming to their platform. They have to know that a massive portion of the game is being withheld from them. So what, what pisses me about, off about this to no end is like, why didn't Microsoft have the conversation with Crystal Dynamics and with Square Enix and be like, listen, guys, remember us? We had that really nice deal with you with Tomb Raider a couple years back. Okay, yeah, hi. Give us a fucking superhero. We'll pay tooth and nail for, I don't fucking care. Give, give us Wolverine. I know he's not an Avenger. Just give us Wolverine. I don't give a shit. Like, give Xbox a really popular character so that so that everyone's fucked, right? This this needs to be one of those things where it's like, PlayStation gamers don't get to get away with this. You know, they can't have arguably the coolest character in the game be exclusive to their platform. And then Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics go over to the Xbox and they're like, all right, guys, we're going to ask that you pay us the same fucking amount of money so that we can give you less of a game. And this is, this is what drives me crazy about this. This isn't like Rise of the Tomb Raider where it's like Xbox was being a little quiet about the exclusivity of it and it ended up just being a year, but then it came to PS4 a year later. This is like, no, we're getting Spider-Man and he's never coming to Xbox, but we're going to ask you to pay the same fucking price no matter what platform you play on. And that's the kind of shit that's like, oh, it's so fucking anti-consumer and it's such a slap in the face to the player. It's like, honestly, you, you should not have Spider-Man in the game at all if he can't be on Xbox or you should at least fuck over PlayStation gamers by being like Xbox gamers. Here's a different superhero. And I don't, I don't like that. Just, just to be clear, I'm not saying that from like a point of view, like, Hey, if we're going to suffer, they should suffer too. I'm saying that from the perspective of like, if you're going to charge the same fucking price for this game and expect both sides to pay the same amount of money with one side getting less content, then you should at least throw them a bone. I'm not saying to piss off PlayStation players to make sure they suffer as well. I'm saying to add value to the Xbox player who's going to pay the same fucking price for this game and get less content. Get who is assumedly the best superhero, the most beloved superhero in the game. Like I love Spider-Man. He's my he's my favorite superhero. He's pretty much the only superhero I give a shit about other than Static Shock who no one remembers because he's an obscure superhero. Like I love Spider-Man, but that's not why I'm pissed off about this. I'm pissed off about this because I know everyone loves Spider-Man. I know Spider-Man's like the most like the most popular superheroes are like Batman, Superman, Spider-Man. Like everyone likes the same fucking three superheroes. This is bullshit that you're gonna take a massively popular character and put them on one platform. It'd be one thing if they're like, okay, Hawkeye is PlayStation exclusive. I would be like, oh, that's kind of shitty. That's kind of you know that's that's pretty shitty to 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 uh, you know withhold content on one console and be like. Oh, well, you get to pay the same price and get less of a game. But, you know, it's just Hawkeye. This is like that double-edged burn of like, this is that double-edged sort of like, okay, so we're not only getting, we're not only not getting Spider-Man, but we're also getting far less value for our purchase. So, I don't know. To me, this is like a massive, like, how could you fucking pull this off? I just, I don't understand how this stuff flies anymore. And, and I think really, I mean, you can't expect to hold the publisher accountable because clearly they're not going to do anything about it. So I think really the answer is for Microsoft to knock on Square Enix's door and say, Hey, we want to make a deal too. We want something too, because this is, this is bullshit. We need to give our players a reason to buy this game. It's like, also you're just hurting the sale of your game now because people are going to find out about this and Xbox gamers are going to be like, Oh, you know, I was interested in this game, but I don't have a PS4 and I don't really want to buy a, 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 a gimped version of this fucking game for the same price. 
So I, I don't know. This is one of those things that just fucking pisses me off to no end. I'm not always, you know, super against the time, the, the, the DLC stuff, the exclusive stuff. Like when it's really light stuff, when it's like, oh, the PlayStation version gets these cosmetics or the Xbox version gets a DLC for three months before the PlayStation version. When you when you do that kind of stuff or even like the 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 rise of the Tomb Raider thing where it was like Xbox gets the game for a year before PlayStation does. That's the kind of stuff where I'm like, that's shitty and it sucks but I can live with it. This is the kind of thing where it's like, I mean, the game is just always going to be a better game on PlayStation because of this. It's like Destiny, where it's like, wow, Destiny players got a fucking exclusive raid, and Destiny players on PlayStation got exclusive weapons and shit, and, and an exclusive strike mission. It's like, that's a lot of fucking content, and you're just telling Xbox gamers to fuck off? Like, oh my god, this is... This is one of those things I want to see end. To me, like, I know people like to get up in arms about, like, loot boxes and in, in microtransactions and things like that. This is my, like, true irk. This is, like, if there's one thing about the games industry that's just so anti-consumer, so incredibly shitty that I could harp on or want to fix, it would be this one. Because I can, I have, I have financial strength. I know how to say I don't need to buy these skins or I don't need to buy this loot box. I know how to say... You know, I, oh, I, I can wait three months for the fucking DLC. It's not the end of the world that this platform gets it first. But when you, when you, when you are withhold content from a game just permanently on one platform, you're just saying to that platform, you are objectively getting less for the same amount of money. And that's just so shitty. I don't know. I, I just, this one's upsetting to me. It's, this was a game I was already not super excited about, but I wanted a reason to be interested in it. And what they gave me was a reason to be pissed off about it. So I went from like curious about it back when they were teasing it all those years ago to like mildly interested, hoping for more when they revealed it. And now I'm just at fuck you. I'm done mode. And last year I said this about about control remedies control because PlayStation was getting the DLC so much sooner than the Xbox. And my whole stance on that was fuck this game. I won't buy it until it's on sale. And that's what I did. I waited till control was on sale. And then I did a similar thing with Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Warfare, where the PlayStation version got a horde mode and the Xbox game didn't. And then I caved like a little bitch and I bought Call of Duty, Call of Duty Modern Warfare anyway. So here is my 2020 equivalent to this. Now I'm boycotting Marvel's Avengers. I, I want to play on Xbox. It is a multi-platform game. Whenever I'm given the option, I choose Xbox. I play my PlayStation when it is a PlayStation exclusive. That's why I played Last of Us Part 2 on PlayStation. It was the only place I could play it. But now we're looking at a multi-platform game that is coming to Xbox, and you are asking me for the same amount of money, and you are going to give me less of a game. Now I'm having to put my my money where my mouth is, and I will not purchase this game. I'm not waiting for a sale. I'm not waiting for anything in particular. I'm just not purchasing this game out of respect for my wallet, out of respect for the Xbox fan, like community of gamers who was excited for the, who were excited for this game and are now being told that they're going to get less. They're objectively getting less of a game now. But the interesting thing to see here will be do I fall in line with Control where I did what I said I would do and I waited for uh I waited for a price drop and then I bought it or will I do what I did with Call of Duty and just cave like a little bitch and buy it anyway? I'm, I'm hoping I'll I'll, ex- I'll exercise some self-control and just boycott this game altogether, but we'll see, gamers. Please pray for me. 
please uh, pray that I be strong and I and I boycott this game. But no, but in all, all seriousness, f- fuck that deal. That's speaking of Call of Duty. To answer the question posed by last week's episode of the podcast, uh, it appears that Activision is getting ready to talk about 2020's Call of Duty, as we learned from a recent investors call. According to the conversation, the next entry in the series is quote looking incredible right now, and internally people are having tons of tons of fun playing it across campaign mode as well as the online mode that developers are very well known f- that the developers are very well known for Activision added quote all I can say in terms of timing of announcements is uh, I suspect you'll be hearing more about this fairly soon generally Call of Duty games are announced around April slash May of every year and then released around the October November time frame so keeping with 2020's theme of fucking everything up Call of Duty's road to release has been unconventional to say the very least 2020's Call of Duty is being developed by Treyarch and Raven Studios and possibly doesn't really even exist. So this was an interesting this was an interesting story because Activision just kind of like blindly said an investor's call. Oh, yeah, that new Call of Duty. It looks good. People are playing it. We're very well known for making these multiplayer games and the, and the multiplayer is there and people are enjoying it. And it's like that's they're just speaking so vaguely about this, but they're also just like, yeah, it's coming. Yeah, expect it imminently, basically, is what they're saying. So. I don't know about this because the thing was, I was waiting. I wasn't surprised that the game didn't get its formal like April May announcement like it normally does because of COVID. So I wasn't surprised to see it get pushed back a little bit. But by the time the Xbox and PlayStation events happened, I was what I was expecting was that either right before the PlayStation event, we're gonna get a few days beforehand a little tease for the game and then a proper reveal at the PlayStation show. And then when that didn't happen, I was like, is there? Is Call of Duty going back to Xbox? Are they doing that marketing deal with Xbox again? Are we going to see it at the game showcase? And then we didn't see it there either. And I'm like, well, okay, what the fuck's going on with Call of Duty? So the fact that basically what they're now going to do is have a showing, well, they say basically, they say fairly soon, which I assume means August, and then release the game in like the traditional November release time frame. I mean, holy shit, that means we're going to have like a two-month a two, three month period between announce and release, which I'm all for. I wish more games did that, but that's so unusual for Call of Duty. And I don't see that as like, oh, wow, they're really, um, they're, they're really like changing their, the kind of roadmap for how to announce slash release these games. I see that as like this game's in development hell and they weren't ready to show it because the game doesn't look good. And, and we know that because, you know, we, we heard those early reports that, you know, Raven was sledgehammer was making the game and then, and then things weren't turning out well, so they gave it over to Treyarch, and then Treyarch and Raven kind of patched things up. And and they admit they they acknowledge here in the investors call that yeah, Treyarch and Raven are making it. To be clear, you know, just for clarity's sake, Raven isn't a main Call of Duty studio. They're one of the many support studios. They're like NeverSoft. They got or Binox, where they got kind of folded into the you don't make games anymore. Now you just work on Call of Duty as a support team. The three main Call of Duty teams are, of course, Infinity Ward, Treyarch, and Sledgehammer, who got started in 2014 with that Advanced Warfare game. And so now I'm like, okay, well, what's going to happen to Sledgehammer? Are they getting demoted back to a support studio? Or are they going to be given another try? What's going to happen to them? Because now they're out, now they've thrown off their three-year release cycle where it's like each one takes a turn and then they repeat the cycle because you know Treyarch isn't supposed to go till next year but now they're going this year and will they be able to go next year too then or what does that mean and so now there's this whole thing of like what's happening with Call of Duty are these games in development hell is this game going to be okay is it going to look right is it going to play right is it going to have issues is this going to be like the first bad Call of Duty you know like objectively bad unplayable Call of Duty and it's just I don't know there's a lot of red flags with the way they're doing this and 
I, I guess you could you can attribute some of this to COVID. Sure, I'm sure some of this is because of COVID, and you can attribute some of this to the next gen consoles if you want. Sure, but I think at the end of the day, what this really has to do with is Sledgehammer fucked up and dropped the ball with their game, and then act or then Treyarch had to take over, and now they're just kind of last minute throwing together and prepping this this thing and and you know this is kind of this is a bigger example of this but kind of the second time we've seen call of duty have this issue in recent history because we saw this with uh with call of duty black ops 4 where there was supposed to be a campaign and then they basically said you know Treyarch was working on a campaign it wasn't really panning out they scrapped it and then we just went with the battle royale and the multiplayer suite instead and 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 that's what they did and so now i'm wondering like well, they've committed to a campaign and multiplayer because that's what the quote here says. So we know we're getting a full package, fully fledged Call of Duty game, but we haven't even seen it here. And so this is now the second time we've had this kind of like hiccup in the development cycle, or at least like publicly known of. And this seems like a bigger deal where it's like you haven't even shown the game yet and you're so close to launch. And that's not, you know, that's not a smart marketing ploy. This is a this is a, a fuck up. I, Activision's very predictable. They're not trying to throw curveballs. You know, they they want every year for you to get your Call of Duty announcement at the same time, get your release date around the same time, and then buy it, rinse, repeat like you do every year. Like they're not trying to throw curveballs and be cute here. They're, this is this is a sign of a game that's in that's in trouble. And it's just so weird because you can say what you want about Call of Duty. I know it's a popular franchise to hate in the gaming community because, you know, people are like, oh, it was good. And then they just beat it to death. You know, it's a it's a franchise. that's like they just won't stop milking. It's like you can bitch and complain about that and, and make fun of Call of Duty all you want for that. And I'll even agree with you to some point because I agree it's, it's so uninspired to be like, we're just going to keep making the same fucking thing over and over again every year. But the reality of Call of Duty is no matter how much you don't like it, no matter how much you think it has a lame story or it doesn't look cool or innovative or whatever, it's like Call of Duty plays damn well every time. It's always a, a very well-polished game. It always has great gameplay, great controls. It's a fun game to play. Like I've, I've skipped the majority of the Call of Duty games released in the past 10 years because I just don't want to play the same Call of Duty thing every year. But I'd be lying if I told you that, you know, for example, Call of Duty Ghost, which is one I think that gets ragged on a lot, like Call of Duty Ghost or Advanced Warfare, those are some of the the, the less appreciated uh, recent Call of Duty games. Like, even those games, which aren't considered to be among the best in the series, still control and play and feel like very solid, well-put-together, polished games, you know? And so what worries me about this is, like, are we about to get the first bad, quote-unquote, bad Call of Duty game? And not from the perspective of, like, yeah, all Call of Duty's bad. It's just stupid franchise that they won't stop milking. I mean, like, bad, like, is this game going to be broken? Is it going to control bad? Is it going to look unpolished and be rough? Is it going to look shitty and play shitty and, like, be, like, not a bad game in the way that gamers who want to hate on Call of Duty hate it or think it's bad, but, like, bad in the way, like, it's objectively not a well-made game. It doesn't look and run and play well and that's what i'm worried about is like is that what the situations become over here at at activision at at treyarch and with, with this new call of duty game so i, I guess our, our questions will or my questions at least will be answered soon because they say you know we'll know more about it fairly soon i assume we don't make it out of august without a proper reveal for this game there's no way they're revealing it in september and then what releasing it in november like you can't do two months you gotta you gotta take pre-orders you got to hype it up. You got to put out some commercials and stuff like you can't announce Call of Duty and release it seven weeks later. It's not how this shit works. Like we're going to see the announcement any day now. F who fucking knows? Maybe by the time this shows up, there's been an announcement. I don't I don't know. 
I'm worried about Call of Duty. I'm very curious to see what's going on over at Treyarch and at Activision, and I'm curious to see what happens with the future of Sledgehammer, a studio that I respect a great deal that unfortunately kind of got trapped being another Call of Duty team. And, and and not that it's a bad thing. It's an honor to be able to work on Call of Duty, such a big franchise. But I don't know. I would think creatively you might want to be able to do something else other than just make Call of Duty all the time. But it is it is a cool project to get to have your hands on. But yeah, hopefully hopefully we'll see that very, very soon. And then our next story here, I probably put, should have put this a little higher up on the show notes. But a few years ago, Xbox revealed a new Battletoads game just to never talk about it again until now. Battletoads will be available on Xbox One and PC uh, through Game Pass on August 20th, 2020. The release date was revealed by Xbox Wire alongside a brand new trailer, and it shows more of the game uh, that brings back Zitz, Rash, and Pimple uh, for the first time in 26 years. The newest Battletoads adventure is developed by Delala Studios, I believe is how you say it, Delala Studios, and is supported by series creator Rare. So Delala Studios, another a new up-and-coming smaller uh, English developer, uh, not too far from Rare, uh, working on this game, and they're kind of working with Rare in conjunction, not on actively developing it, but kind of on overseeing the project. I, I guess Rare has maybe worked in more of like a consulting role on the project, but uh, Delala is the actual uh, developer of the game. And then the Brawler series began its life, of course, back on the NES and gained a cult following, uh, being best known for its extreme difficulty. Here's hoping that the new entry will be more approachable for all players. So I actually really dig the the trailer they released for this game. I love the art style. I love the cartoony Saturday morning kind of look it has to it. It looks like they kind of took the already inherently Ninja Turtles inspired aspect of Battletoads and morphed it a little bit with like fucking G.I. Joe or something. And so I'm, I'm actually pretty excited to play this game. It looks fun. The gameplay looks good. The art style looks good. The trailer looks good. I, I think it will be a nice kind of unplugged brain brawling kind of game. Um, my only hope is that they don't try to make it too hard. You know, Xbox has had their nice hard game this generation. We had Cuphead. That was that was fine. Cuphead's a beautiful game. It wasn't for me. I didn't have fun in it. You know, I didn't find it to be a game where it was like, oh, it's 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 hard but fair. Like I, I was just like, no, this isn't fun for me at least. And I'm hoping that Battletoads doesn't end up falling into that that camp with uh, Cuphead. I hope it ends up kind of being like, hey, we're we're toning it down. We want people to actually be able to play through this game. At least, at the very least, like give it difficulty modes, right? Uh, because I'm actually I'm actually looking forward to this, and I hope it's pretty good. But hey, it'll be out in just a few short days here, uh, coming out August 20th. So maybe by then we'll be playing uh, Battletoads with our pre-orders in for our Xbox Series Xs and our Surface Duo phones, and we'll know what the new Call of Duty looks like. And there'll be various cures for the coronavirus, and uh, we'll all be sipping on mojitos without masks on because we'll all be cured and saved and. I don't know, fucking maybe maybe anything's possible, but we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Battletoads coming August 20th. Excited to play it. Our next story here comes from Windows Central, and it reads: Over the past few weeks, speculation has intensified that Xbox Live Gold, the paid subscription service required for playing online games on Xbox, would be going away in some capacity. This speculation further ramped up when people noticed some changes to the legal terminology in Microsoft Services Agreement. Mentions of Xbox Live were changing to Xbox Online. Online service. Further exasperating matters, and the multiplayer for Halo Infinite has been revealed as completely free to play, as we previously reported. Unfortunately, it appears that nothing it appears that nothing is going to be changed on that front, at least in the immediate future. We reached out to Microsoft for comment on some of the rumors and speculation, and a Microsoft spokesperson said the following. 
Update to Xbox Online Service in the Microsoft Service Agreement refers to the underlying Xbox service that includes features like cross-save and friend requests. The language update is intended to distinguish the underlying service and the paid Xbox Live subscription. There are no changes being made to the experience of the service or Xbox Live. Xbox Live Gold is bundled with Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, a tier that also includes Xbox Game Pass for PC. Right now, anyone playing Xbox titles like Sea of Thieves or Grounded on PC don't have to pay a subscription fee to access the online multiplayer. We'll have to wait and see when or if this inequality is addressed moving forward. Additionally, just because Xbox Live Gold isn't going away right now doesn't mean it won't face the chop block at some point in the future, especially if Xbox Game Pass subscriptions reach critical mass. We just have to hang in there tight. So I'm just going to have to take the kind of popular thought with this one. It seems like most insiders or or xbox people out there seem to be pretty adamant that you know regardless of what xbox is microsoft is saying here is they're kind of they're kind of skirting the inevitable future which is that xbox live is going away and it makes me wonder i i guess i could see that i i could see that but the problem with it is i think they need to grow game pass more before they can do that keep in mind they're like what 30 40 million xbox live gold subscribers out there and game pass has like just over 10 million like that's a lot if if, if microsoft were to wave the magic wand tomorrow and say xbox live is no more that that's a lot of money they're leaving on the table and i know that they've kind of started discontinuing some of the tiers and it's getting harder and harder to buy xbox live and and i think we are starting to see the early stages of them phasing out xbox live gold because i think the idea is, you know, we'd rather have more people doing Game Pass Ultimate than Xbox Live Gold. I get that. It's more expensive. Uh, it gets them more benefits. It, it engages them more on the platform and has them playing more Xbox. I, I get all that. But Xbox Live Gold can't just simply be, you know, waved out of existence today. And then and then what? Microsoft just takes a massive cut on profits. So I think the, the plan is to grow Xbox Game Pass to a much larger audience before you get rid of Xbox Live Gold. So if you can if you can get the Game Pass numbers to more closely resemble the current live subscriptions, then you can get rid of the other. And and of course, you know, getting rid of live will will push Game Pass a little bit because some people will be like, oh well now the only way to play online, of course, is to get Game Pass Ultimate. So or or rather, you know, now all that money I was spending on gold isn't really being spent on anything. I can use that towards Game Pass and it makes that purchase more digestible. So I, I get it, but keep in mind, you know, the whole thing that makes Xbox profitable is the same thing that makes any Microsoft thing profitable. It's it's how modern Microsoft operates, which is, it's about services. It's about license agreements and services and software. You know, Microsoft is making money, but not they're not making the bread and butter, you know, like the, the main profit from the consoles. They're not trying to sell Xbox One units so they can make a massive profit on hardware they're trying to they're trying to they're trying to sell xboxes so they can have people in the xbox ecosystem so they can subscribe to gold subscribe to game pass buy software buy games whatever and i mean that's that's the ultimate goal here so to get rid of their their biggest subscriber base on the platform you know for the sake of this you know this altruistic parody it's like it, you gotta think realistically it just doesn't make sense Again, remember, at the end of the day, you know, Xbox is a very pro-consumer brand. We talk about it all the time how Xbox, especially in recent years, Xbox is like significantly more pro-consumer than any of the other, 
you know, big console manufacturers, definitely more than Sony in particular. And that's a great win, you know, for the gaming audience. But at the end of the day, you know, Xbox isn't an altruistic company. They are here to make money. They are, they exist because this is a business where in exchange for services and products, they will profit. And the way in which Microsoft profits the most is through subscription services and getting rid of their most lucrative or their most, their, their highest subscribed uh, subscription or their, their highest engaged subscription service would be just a massive blow to the business. So strategically, financially, it just doesn't make sense, at least not now. I, I believe the rumors, I believe the the murmurings that ultimately the goal is to get rid of Xbox Live Gold, to just have everyone on Game Pass Ultimate. And so when you see things like people reporting that you can't get 12 months of gold anymore, you can only do the month to month or something like that, I think what you're seeing is Microsoft trying to slowly nudge people in the direction of Game Pass Ultimate over Xbox Live Gold. And I think you'll see that transition kind of really start to take place more and more than ever in the coming in the coming years. But I don't think now is the time to get rid of gold. And I understand there's that kind of inequality of like, well, wait, I'm playing Halo, you know, on my Xbox and you're playing on your PC. I got to pay for Xbox Live Gold in order to play, but you can just play it for free because you're on PC. How is that fair? But it's... I. It's a thing people are going to start arguing about, but the main consumer isn't. Because remember, at the end of the day, the main Xbox gamer, the main X, the main gamer that plays on Xbox, the hardware, like the console, isn't a PC gamer. It's it's a guy who plays on console. And they're used to playing for online multiplayer, and they're not going to think twice about it. And the majority of the people who play on the PC are PC gamers who don't play on Xbox. And I know, especially like in this audience, there are a lot of people who play Xbox between PC and Xbox, but you're in the minority there. You're not the main player base here. Most most console gamers just play console. Most PC players just play PC. And so it's not like these people are constantly being like fucked in the ass where they're just like, wait a minute, how come when I play on this platform, I got to do this and on this platform, I don't. It's like, no, in most most Xbox gamers are used to playing for gold and they can continue to get away with it. I'm not saying that's, that's you know, fair. I'm not saying that's justifiable. I'm saying it is what it is and that they can get away with it for longer than you think they can. So it doesn't surprise me that Microsoft is, is kind of hiding from this this question right now, because even though I, I do agree this probably is eventually their end goal, I don't think now is the time. I think they're trying to ride this out for another year or two until they can grow Game Pass to a larger audience and then kind of skirt everyone over. And then also, I think at some point, Game Pass is going to go up in price. I wouldn't be surprised if in a few years we see Game Pass go up to 20 bucks a month, kind of the way Netflix, you know, got everyone at the door at $7.99 a month. And nowadays, most people pay like 10, 12 bucks a month for Netflix. It's one of those things where like they're willing to eat the cost or, or decrease the margin while this service and this program is in its infancy. And then once they get everyone hooked on this thing, that's when they're going to bump the price up. So maybe it's going to be something like that, like uh, Xbox Live Gold's going away, Game Pass is going up. Um, but we're waiting for Game Pass to grow a little more in usership, I think, before we get there. So I could be dead wrong. Again, this is a, this is one of those stories I'm probably less qualified to talk about than usual, but uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that we still got a little ways to go before gold goes away, uh, before Xbox Live goes away. And, and, and remember, guys, Xbox Live has gold has been good to you, so be good to her, too. And it's not like you're getting absolutely nothing out of it, at least with Xbox Live Gold. I mean, you are getting like free days with free like days where you get to play certain games for free with gold and you get free games every month with gold and you get discounts on things with gold. So it's not like Xbox Live Gold members are just, you know, 
paying out the ass every month for the subscription and they get nothing for it. Like they, they're getting stuff. It's not completely, it's not all is lost, completely useless. So there is value in it outside of just being able to play games online. You're not, it's, you're not just paying for party chat and online play like you did back in the 360 days and stuff. Like things are different, but I agree. It's, I don't think Xbox live can justify standing on its own forever in a world where Xbox games can be played for free online on PC and where a Game Pass Ultimate is a far better and more enticing deal. Our next story here is that after nearly a full year of beta testing exclusively on Android devices, Xbox have announced that Project xCloud will release in its official capacity on September 15th. The service is included with a subscription to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, and players will have access to over 100 games at launch. The service will launch exclusively on Android devices to begin with, hitting 22 markets from the start. While an iOS version of the service is planned and currently being worked on, it's also being held back due to some Apple App Store rules that are preventing the game from making its debut on Apple's ecosystem. So this was a, I mean, this isn't like a big, like, let's dig deep into this, but this was big news uh, that, you know, we, we got a date. We got a date. And so in the next few days, I believe they said on the 11th, the Xbox game stream stream preview app, the the beta for xCloud that myself and a lot of others have been using for roughly the past year uh, will be winding down on, on the 11th. It will end and then there'll be a kind of couple of day gap between when that ends and when the service officially goes live, I assume for some sort of server maintenance or something, but whatever, no clue. But yeah, on September 15th, those with Android devices will be able to just download the Project xCloud game streaming app and have like the official real deal service available across 22 different um, uh, territories or markets rather. And yeah, this is a this is a good one. I think this is really exciting to have this finally be out because Project xCloud has been this weird wonky thing of like of like everyone knows about it and it's talked about, but it's not kind of technically out and only some people have access to it. So even though it's been easy to get access to the beta or the, or the private testing or whatever you want to call it, it's, it's nicer to have it finally out in its official capacity. So anyone who has a game pass ultimate subscription, which should be everyone on Xbox, basically you just have project X cloud, whether, you know, on your Android device and then you got game pass on your PC and your console. So incredible deal for 15 bucks. Yeah. I mean, they got, I don't know. Microsoft's writing xCloud pretty hard. You can tell this is a really massive part of their business plan going forward, and uh, it looks like everything's going well. The big, you know, the big question mark here is that they they still can't get it on iOS, and this is a massive setback because we were expecting an iOS version even back like during the earlier beta days, and it just keeps getting pushed back. And from what I understand, it seems like it's something like Apple's like security thing, like all the things that. Microsoft and Xbox need access to in order to make this service run on on iPhone or on iOS rather would would require a little more access on their end than the App Store usually per- permits or that Apple usually permits for for app developers and things like that. So they're having a hard time getting the service to be appropriated and be and to follow the guidelines to allow it to be on the Apple App Store, which is really unfortunate because this is a massive portion of the market now that's just going to be cut off. I mean, if you could only have one of the two, obviously you want Android because that's where the mass majority of the smartphone market is. I think, what is it? Android owns like over 70, close to 80% of the phone market. So, I mean, that's a that's a massive audience, but still you want that iOS market. That's a, that's a quality market with people with, you know, good phones that would be able to, you know, with, with the Android market, it's a lot more of a a mixed market where you have everything from like low end phones to high end phones with the iOS market. It's 
pretty much exclusively pretty solid iPhones that would all be able to really take advantage of, of xCloud. So it's kind of unfortunate that iOS users are just going to keep having to wait. Um, I, I assume at some point this is going to get resolved, especially once this thing really takes off and more people use it and it becomes more ubiquitous. Once Apple realizes like what an important service this is, it's going to be a thing where like, okay, we want this on our service because you don't want to have you don't want to let the Android App Store have exclusivity to that that service for too long. So they're going to have to make an exception for Microsoft here, especially especially this is bullshit because it's like, guys, okay, we understand like there are issues here. Maybe it doesn't exactly meet Apple's you know usual code of like or guidelines of like what it takes to get something on the App Store. But it's like, guys, it's Microsoft. You know, this isn't like some this isn't like some CD no name company trying to get a sketchy app on your App Store. This is Microsoft trying to get an Xbox app on there, like fucking, you know, bend some rules, make shit happen. Let this get on there, but whatever. So exciting news that it will be available into official capacity to all of you running Android or having who own Android devices, whether it's a tablet or a smartphone or whatever. And to you iOS users, hang in there. Hopefully this will get resolved soon and you'll also be able to enjoy what a great service uh, xCloud is. So finally out, that's really exciting. Um, it looks like the whole thing's coming full circle, right? The, we got the Series X, we got the Game Pass, we got the X Cloud. By the time the Series X comes out in November, the Xbox platform will be a very different place from where it was at the beginning of the year. You know, in the beginning of the year, we had the X Cloud beta going, we had Xbox stuff happening on PC, but I feel like the difference between 2019 and 2020 when it comes to Xbox when all said and done is we went from like, it's still just a, a, a home console platform with talks of some new stuff happening. And we went from that to, okay, now Xbox is a more fluid brand. Now it's it's consoles, whether it's Xbox One or Series X, it's Game Pass uh, Ultimate, and it's, it's PC, and it's and it's uh, xCloud. So it's just in a lot of places now that it, these things are kind of out in a more official capacity. And that's really exciting for Xbox and the Xbox community and, and everything. And so I'm really excited about all of this, just kind of watching it all really fall into place and unfold and and, you know, solidify rather than just being talk. You know, these are things we've talked about for a long time. It's fun watching it kind of unfold and finally really start to happen. And our final story of the week comes from Windows Central, and it is that the departures of key Ubisoft executives over the last few weeks are, are continuing. And we now report that from Business Insider, uh, it has been revealed that Ubisoft has fired editorial vice president Tommy Fran Francois. Francois was one of the figures that Ubisoft previously accused of sexual misconduct in a Business Insider investigation. Ubisoft confirmed that business, to, to Business Insider that Francois had been fired. This follows the departure of Chief Creative Officer uh, Serge Hascote and multiple, and as well as multiple others. Hascote reportedly canceled a, f a fantasy title revolving around an Arthurian mythology that was being led by Dragon Age veteran Mike Laidlaw. Ubisoft is continuing to report overhaul and its internal structures including bringing in third-party companies to allow for abuse and misconduct reports so really a ball drop on my part to kind of put this as a closing story because it's just such a bummer <laughs> but yeah it's it's really crazy that ubisoft is still just constantly in the news for all this it's been like a month now it looks like a lot of of the toxicity is being purged from the company which is really exciting to see but at this point it's just like how how were this many key people like this was like this was like the the key crew of like high up the rank p 
people at Ubisoft who reported to like Yves Gilmont, like the the CEO of the company. This wasn't like you know a couple of smaller guys here or there, some varying studios. This was like some top people at this studio. So the fact that this kind of this kind of fuckery was happening at the studio for so long, and it was with such prominent figures at this company, it's just like I don't. Ubisoft's kind of fucked, man. Like, I don't know who I trust at this company anymore. It's like, if it's if it's people of this kind of prominence at the company, you would think more people would be aware of this and more people would have spoken by now and this news kind of would have gotten out more. And, and also, if it's people of this level of prominence, you would have just thought that more people would be aware of what was happening here, meaning that, like, who was... Not condoning, but who was turning turning the other turning the other cheek while this stuff was happening? Because there's just no way that like this many high profile people at Ubisoft were engaging in this kind of shit, and just no one really knew about it until now. Like this is this is really like deeply concerning stuff, and it makes me really wonder about you know the bigger picture in the games industry. Where else is this happening? Like God forbid, like tell me it's not happening at Xbox. You know, is this happening at other places, other studios? Like. You gotta assume it is, you know. We uh, after the past few years with like with like the things we've been seeing at various movie studios and just in Hollywood in general, and with game studios now and the streaming community, it's just like it feels like there's no safe place. There's just no nowhere you can go where like there's just like vaguely good and bad people. It's it's more so like there are evil, sick, twisted fucks here, and then there's like regular people, and it's just so weird to see that these people just kind of exist and and really places you would least expect them to and and they just live among the rest of us and play big roles at big companies and us as unsuspecting audiences just don't know any better but this shit is going on all the time behind the scenes it's a deeply concerning story and i i I feel like it's important to bring it up although i haven't done the best job of covering it every week just because like as uncomfortable as it is to talk about it is a very serious matter it is a thing that is happening and and you know, just because we're excited here about Halo Infinite and the Xbox Series X doesn't mean that these things aren't also happening within the same industry. And it would be kind of irresponsible and, and, and disingenuous to like disingenuous to just kind of ignore this shit when it's uh, it's really real stuff. It's really serious stuff and it's really unfortunate stuff. But it's, of course, very good to know this guy has been canned. He's out. Hopefully he never works in this industry ever again. But yeah, I mean. I don't know. I'm just uh, I'm I'm really cautious now about Ubisoft because I just don't believe that like this was a shock to everyone at the company. People had to have known about this stuff and it makes me like more than anything the thing that really unsettles me about this is that we're just now learning about it. Is that we're just now learning about it and that you know more people aren't, aren't coming forward about like the ways in which they were responsible as bystanders or the things they knew and kind of turned a blind eye blind eye towards and all that so that's that's the kind of stuff i'm like you know it's not obviously we're gonna blame these you know sexual predators within the company and we're gonna remove them but also it's like you gotta have a really fucking corrupt and fucked up hr system if like people this high a profile were getting away with this shit for years and just no one seemingly knew about it. So it is good to see the year that Ubisoft is talking about getting third party and external HR and stuff involved in this to help handle these things because clearly clearly their HR failed miserably at handling the situation. Clearly they proved themselves woefully inept when it comes to handling this kind of situation. But just at the very least it's 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 I guess somewhat reassuring to know that some of this stuff's out, but let's just let's just hope this is the last of it. Let's just hope that you know there are no more 
people of this ilk left at Ubisoft, and let's hope this isn't a a small microcosm of a a larger problem that's endemic to the industry. Although, you know, unfortunately, my 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 assumption is that it it is. You know, that this is a bigger thing we just don't know more about. I don't have much to speculate on or to say about that, other than to just kind of bring that story to light and acknowledge that it is a real thing. It is something that's happening, and is incredibly unfortunate that these people are allowed to help muddy this otherwise pretty awesome industry that we all cherish and enjoy. So yeah, that's, uh, that's the final uh, big news story of the week. And then of course we'll get into our important enough news stories, uh, important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussions. And so we'll rattle off a couple of these. We're starting out. We've got three, four, three industries has confirmed this week that halo five or the halo, the master chief collection will indeed be getting cross play between PC and Xbox sometime in 2020. Although we still don't know when next we got, according to findings from various Twitter and Reddit users, Hellblade Senua's sacrifice on project X cloud has been discovered to support touch controls. and will likely be available for, uh, when the service formally launches on September 15th. It also appears that gears five on X cloud is in the testing phases for touch controls as well this has got me really excited because um, i'll be excited to try the surface duo microsoft's upcoming android phone with these touch controls because it'll have the dual screen so you'll be able to kind of play it nintendo ds style but the next one here is that when gears tactics released on pc earlier this year microsoft assured audiences that the game would come to xbox consoles later uh, in 2020 well now users are reporting via twitter and reddit that the game is already available for pre-download on consoles via game pass that said, Xbox still has not confirmed a specific release date for the game on console, but hopefully this means we are getting extremely close. Next, Microsoft Flight Simulator has been confirmed for release on Steam and will now also be receiving a free update later in the year that adds VR support. Next, we've got that 343 have announced a PC test flight for Halo 3 ODST, and it will begin in the coming days and take place throughout the first half of August. These test flights will include both campaign and the much-beloved firefight mode, hopefully alluding to an imminent release uh, for the long-awaited multiplayer mode on both PC and console, which we know is coming this summer, as 343 mentioned when they first announced that. Uh, next, we've got that Bulletstorm developer People Can Fly have announced that in addition to their upcoming game Outriders, they are also hard at work on another untitled AAA next generation game. Next, we have that IGN reports BioWare is still working towards uh, a refreshed version of Anthem, dubbed Anthem Next. Now, BioWare Austin director Christian Daly has revealed some updates uh, to the loot and gear in the first blog post since the announcement of his involvement. The bulk of Daly's new blog post was dedicated to changing BioWare's BioWare Austin in trying out in trying out in regards to loot and weapons. This includes a more frequent and satisfying loot drop system, as well as faster powering RAM. Next, a recent tease: the recently teased Microsoft Store for Xbox has officially been announced and is already rolling out to insiders as of the time of this recording. Aside from its visual over overhaul, the new store is said to, to load twice as fast as the previous digital storefront. The new store will roll out to all Xbox users over the coming months and will be the new store experience that players will be met with when they launch their Xbox Series Xs this year. Next, during Samsung's August event, where they showed off tons of new mobile hardware and wearables, it was revealed that by none other than Phil Spencer himself that Project xCloud will indeed be shipping uh, pre-installed on the upcoming Samsung flagship smartphone, the Galaxy Note 20. And a special gaming 
edition of the phone can be purchased separately that will include three months of Game Pass Ultimate as well as a MOGA XP5X Bluetooth gaming controller. And finally, Xbox have announced the following games are coming to Xbox Game Pass in the coming days, so be on the lookout for these new titles. On August 6th, which is tomorrow, the day this, this podcast goes live, we've got Darksiders Genesis, which, Darksiders Genesis, which I'm super excited about, coming to Xbox. We've got It Lurks Below coming to the console and PC. The Dark Pictures Anthology, Man of Medan, coming August 6th as well. And then we've got Trail Markers on both console and PC. Undermine on console and PC. Xeno Crisis on console and PC. And on August 13th, we get Final Fantasy VII HD on both console and PC. In addition to that, the following games have been announced to be leaving Xbox Game Pass on August 14th. And they are Devil May Cry 5, Kingdom Come Deliverance, Space Hulk Tactics, where the water tastes like wine and Yoku's Island Express. Definitely recommend you check out Devil May Cry Five if you haven't. And I, I always want to try Yoku's Island Express. It's I, maybe I should give that a go before it leaves. But that's uh, that's gonna do it for all of our news this week, guys. I appreciate you hanging in as always. I know it's a lot of Xbox news to get to, but it's worth it for that sweet, sweet info dump on Disney's Epcot theme park. So I appreciate you hanging in there. And then of course we will now get into our new game releases of the week, of which there are 15 new games hitting Xbox this week. Now, of course, as always, we will not do these games justice by reading their names and descriptions, but rather by reading their names and assuming what the game is based off nothing other than the name and the description. Being that there are so many new games releasing, we're just going to get through these pretty quick. So our first one is called Relicta, which comes out on August 4th. It is a first-person game where you play as a portal person from the popular first-person shooter, first-person puzzle game Portal, but you are set in the Wild West of Borderlands, so... This is like a portal meets Borderlands, and it just seems like a massive uh, copyright infringement uh, lawsuit waiting to happen. So our next game here is called Scully, which is on August 4th. This game actually looks really cool. I saw a trailer for it the other day. Um, But basically, to, to, to not do it any justice, this is a game where you play as a skull named Scully, and you're... I don't even know how to make this game sound any more ridiculous than it actually is. It's it's like a platform adventure game where you actually play as a skull and you go into like mud piles and form into other objects and, and, and go around wrecking havoc. So next game here is called Wizards Wand of... Now, this is a nerd game. So in this game, you play as the wizards and you're trying to get to Hogwarts Castle. But along the way, you have to go through these Diablo dungeons and so this is a game that shows the trials and tribulations of a, of, of a wizard. And it shows that, yeah, it's cool to go to Hogwarts. It's cool to learn how to be a wizard and def- defend against the dark arts and things of that nature. But at what cost, really? Because if in order to commute to your school, your Hogwarts, if you will, you have to go crawling through dungeons, is it really worth it to be a wizard? I mean, who the fuck is holding these... Who the hell is holding these, these school officials at Hogwarts uh, legally accountable for the kind of treacherous commutes these students have to make. You know, you have to cross lava bridges and fight trolls and golems and shit just to get to school. It's like, fuck. At that point, I'd rather just be a muggle and go to public school. Like, are you kidding me? But this is a, this is, these are the trials and tribulations of being a wizard. And, uh, of being a wizard. and uh, you can play that on August 4th. Our next game here is called the, the Mean Greens Plastic Warfare, which actually looks really funny. But this is a game where you play as army men and you get crushed on a foosball table. And I guess that this is uh, a reference to is kind of how, you know, when we when we send our troops overseas and we fight wars, we're not really fighting for any particular cause. We're fighting against we're, we're fighting against foreign 
identities and foreign cultures, really. And when you think about the United States of America, you know, we're a lot of things, but we're not big soccer fans. In fact, most Americans are really into this game called football, which is the name of soccer in other countries, but it's not soccer at all because it's a ball you hold with your hands and it's improperly shaped. So it's called football. We call it football, and it's what most Americans are into. And that's well and good. You're more than welcome to like what you like for sports. I don't care. But the Mean Greens Plastic Warfare is a game where you play as army men and you invade other countries to fight against soccer, basically. You're saying foosball, soccer, whatever it is, we don't condone it. It's not American, it's it's not what we like, and we don't think you should like it either. And so it's a very controversial game just because it's about uh, kind of cultural imperialism, um, spreading, spreading your sports identity and your sports preferences to other parts of the world. And I can't say I'm against it, but yeah, also it's uh, it's available on August 5th. Our next game here is called Mystery Mine, which looks like every other indie game ever. And then our next game here is called Rogue Cube, which looks like every Pokemon game ever. And then our next game here is called Steam Tactics, which is like a tactics game, so you know it's really not fun to play. And then our next game here is called Airy Broken Memories, which comes out on August 6th. Now, this is a game where you play as this bird, and you go around soaring great heights through the, through the West Coast, through the deserts. And... Well, why is this bird flying along the the old Route 66? Well, because you see this bird's a fucking idiot. And someone, someone misinformed this bird that when you go on vacation, uh, you can take breaks at these places called rest stops, which are gas stations. And so the bird thinks, oh, well, you know, I'll just, uh, I'll just go ahead and rest up in between on my way to California at these rest stops. But what, what he quickly learns is that uh, these rest stops are actually gas stations uh, where there there are BP oil spills at these individual gas stations. So as a bird, is your objective to make your way to these quote-unquote rest stops and rescue other birds and other wildlife from these oil spills that are happening at these local gas stations and kind of just saving natural wildlife along the Route 66 uh, road. And then our next game here is called Clan N, which is like a ninja game, but it has the worst graphics ever. And you guys know me. You know, when it comes to Halo, I don't care about the graphics. But when it comes to indie games, you better have some good graphics. That's what I always say. And then our next game is called It Lurks Below. Now, I don't know how I feel about, like, these innuendo names, and I don't feel like really supporting games that that are all about sexual innuendos. So we'll just jump to the next game, which is called Undermine. And this is a really clever name for a game because... You might think because it's a game that takes place in mines and in dungeons and things like that, it's a play on, you know, you know, under a mine or to undermine someone. But no, it's actually about undermining. So you play as this young boy named Sarby. You go around to these dungeons and you're kind of shit when it comes to combat. You have a pickaxe, but everyone else, they have they have modern weaponry. They can kick your ass. So you try to get out of combat scenarios by undermining them. And so you might think, oh, okay, so it's like you use like like language trees and, and text to kind of out outsmart the other opponents and, and get around the game. No, you you literally put them under the line. You you pick these enemies up and you throw them deep down below the mine where they're assumed dead by their loved ones and never found again. It's pretty fucked up that you do that. But our next game here is called Fast and Furious Crossroads. So this is a... So I actually am really excited about this because this is about finally addressing the title of this franchise, The Fast and Furious. Um, because, you know, you can't... You can you can be fast, you can be furious. You can be fast and furious. But you can't always be both. 
And at some point, you, you reach a crossroads where you have to decide, are you fast or are you furious? So I kind of think of it like, are you Sonic the Hedgehog or are you the Incredible Hulk? You know, what are you, what are you going to be today? Are you going to be fast or are you going to be furious? And so this is a game where you play as Dominic Toretto, uh, a guy who gets exposed to all this gamma radiation, and he uh, becomes the Incredible Hulk. And then you play as this other guy named, uh, named Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and he falls into a vat of all these blue quills and becomes uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. And so they face off in a battle to find out who's fast and who's furious. But rather than using their new su supernatural abilities, whether it be Hulk's superhero strength or Sonic's super speed, they decide to get behind the wheel of automobiles and race it out to find out who is supreme. And, and, and will they meet at a crossroads? Will they, will they come to terms with who they are and, and what makes them human? Or will they uh, race it out for supreme... Su supremacy and you you find that out in the game and then our next game here is called hard cube which is out on august 7th and i think that's all you really know need to know about it it's a very very hard cube i don't recommend putting your mouth around this cube it's probably break a tooth trying to chew on it but it's a very hard cube in fact you might even say it's an erect cube uh, but that's a that's available on august 7th and speaking of august 2nd 7th swim sanity is out that day which is a game where you fight a whole lot of sharks uh, which is really insulting, seeing as there was just a shark attack pretty recently in the news, and now, and now they're going to capitalize on that bad, on that tragic story by making a game about shark attacks. So I think that's pretty tasteless. Then you got Warrior Orb, which is just a ripoff of Ori in the Blind Forest. Um, Warrior Orb is this guy named Orb. His mom hates him, so she names him Orb, and he worries a lot. Um, but he worries like W A R R I, not like O W O R R Y. Um, so that tells you that they're using the Canadian pronunciation of worry. So he goes, oh, I'm, I'm so worried, uh, you know, and he's worried for a lot of reasons. And I don't know if you could relate to this, but he's worried because, you know, he doesn't know where his next meal is going to come from on account of he lost his job due to COVID. He's worried about, you know, how he's going to pay his rent because he lost his job due to COVID. But Wari uh, or Orb learns how to channel this this nervous energy uh, by just beating the shit out of uh, out of ancient Greek and Roman statues, which you can see in the picture in the screenshot here, where he just takes various weaponry that he finds laying around because, as we all know, weaponry is easily accessible, and he goes around just defacing all these old monuments throughout throughout Europe, basically, and it's a it's a pretty cool game where you learn that. You know, you can't always, you can't always address your specific problems, uh, but you can always, you can always make your problems someone else's. And I think that's an important theme to explore, right? You know, maybe, maybe you're having a hard time because someone you love is, is no longer there or because you lose a job or because uh, just, you know, you just, you feel alone, you feel un, unthought of, uncared for, and you can't really always do something about that. You can't bring people back once they're gone. You can't make people feel differently if they if they have a verdict rendered about you. You can't go back and change the past. This is just the facts of life. But you can do what Worry Orb does, and you can take your anxiety and your in your sorrow and your pain, and you can channel that into creating problems for others. So at the again to circle this back to the top of the show, it's not so much about finding out how to better yourself, but about how to bring others down with you so that you're not alone. And I really respect that about Worry Orb. Um, because that's what he does. He 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 takes his his worry and he um, makes it everyone else's problem to deal with. And I think that's really 
kind that he's willing to share like that. So that's all of our games for the week, and that and that's that's our podcast for the week. I appreciate you listening. As always, remember Xbox Live Games with Gold for the month of August. You've got Portal Night for the whole month. You've got Override Mech City Brawl uh, from August 16th to September 15th. And then you got MX Unleashed on the OG Xbox side for the first half of the month and Red Faction 2 for the latter half of the month, which is on OG Xbox as well. So nice to see some old school Xbox love in there. No 360 games this month, but that's okay. You get an $80 worth of value and 2,000 gamer score. So go ahead, unlock those, pop those achievements pop those achievements and uh eric's gonna play us out on a song guys please comment on the show i uh if you like the show if you listen on youtube thumb up the video if you listen on itunes leave a very positive five star review if you listen on any other service go ahead and find out if there's an option to review it and then review me positively remember guys pretty soon here i'm going to be making you all listen to dollar shave club ads because i'm going to get rich and famous uh off of your off of your time and your generosity and that's the dream. So go ahead and support me any way you can. Positive things only. If you have any issues, take them up with Sarugi. And until next time, power your dreams.